0: hi friends happy december if you're new here welcome to around the clock my name is prithi and i am your host every month i pick one medical topic that's been on my mind and talk about it i hope you all had a merry christmas if you celebrate it and that the holiday season has been good to you we are in december now and winter is here man i feel like this year just flew by so fast that i can't believe december is already here but since it does get pretty cold outside we are going to talk about hypothermia today so let's bundle up and get started disclaimer the following discussion contains descriptions of physiological processes in the body death and dying hypothermia i feel like most people know what hypothermia is but because we are a medical based podcast i'm going to give the medical definition for it which states that hypothermia is when the body temperature is below 95 degrees fahrenheit so normally the body is around 98 degrees fahrenheit and according to this definition 95 degrees is the cutoff and hypothermia can be classified as being mild moderate or severe based on the individual's core temperature the farther away their temperature is from 95 degrees is the more intense that their hypothermia is and the symptoms vary in these three different conditions as well not conditions classifications as well so in mild hypothermia the symptoms can be very vague and they're mostly shivering their heart rate goes up their respiratory rate goes up their blood pressure goes up and all of this is happening because their body is trying to preserve heat You know, it's trying to keep itself warm, it's trying to keep the patient warm, and these are instances that occur physiologically that allow for that to happen. In moderate hypothermia, in addition to these symptoms, the shivering and the heart rate, they experience changes in their mental status. So, a person with moderate hypothermia can be confused, they may have amnesia, their reflexes may go down, Um, they can have slurred speech. It's, it's, you know, the change in mental effects is kind of like the distinguishing feature between mild hypothermia versus moderate hypothermia. And then in severe hypothermia, this is where things get a little bit interesting. So in the mild version, I said that the heart rate goes up and the respiratory and blood pressure all increase to preserve heat. Well, in severe hypothermia, all three of those things decrease. So the heart rate goes down, the respiratory rate goes down, and the blood pressure goes down. And in addition to that, there can be inflammation, the person can be hallucinating, their pupils may be dilated. But the two hallmark characteristics of severe hypothermia are pretty much the antithesis of what someone would want to do when they're freezing cold but there's a reason for that so the first one is called paradoxical undressing and this is basically when you know the person has been hypothermic for quite some time and all of a sudden instead of being really really cold they start feeling really really hot it's it's almost like they feel like they're burning up or that their body is on fire and so they're taking all of their layers off they're undressing themselves and it's paradoxical because you know they're in a freezing environment and their body is not as hot as they think it is and yet they're still taking all these layers off when in a really cold environment you want to be bundled up and they can be disoriented but there are two ideas as to why they may be feeling like they're hot and that they need to undress so the first one is that there's a dysfunction with their hypothalamus now the hypothalamus one of its main functions is regulating your body's temperature. So the thought is that in long hypothermic and severe hypothermic states, the hypothalamus is no longer capable of regulating the body's temperature. So instead of telling your body, hey, you are cold, your body temperature is going down, you need to bundle up, it kind of goes haywire. And it's like, okay, I'm not working anymore, so you may be hot, you may be cold, I don't really know, I'm just gonna say you're really, really hot, and then the person is just reacting based off of that. The other idea why this could be happening is way early on when hypothermia begins, your muscle tissue and your blood vessels constrict. They tighten up to kind of preserve heat and prevent any blood from like flowing in those areas and basically just constrict themselves, but in severe hypothermia, eventually those muscles relax and those blood vessels relax and all there's like a rapid influx of blood flow, a lot of blood flow that is in this area now and that causes heat, that causes you to feel hot, you know? think about it like when you go exercise, Your body temperature feels fine before, but when you're exercising, you feel hot, and after you exercise, you feel really warm, and that's because your muscles have relaxed and there's a lot of blood flow happening, and you start to feel hot, and that's kind of pretty much what's happening with these guys when they're having paradoxical undressing. The other kind of hallmark characteristic is called terminal burrowing, which is also morbidly also known as hide-and-die syndrome, but this is known as pretty much the final stage of hypothermia. it's the last thing that the person will want to do and it's pretty much a protective mechanism but what they will do is they will try to find like small enclosed spaces to burrow themselves in and just stay there and go to sleep. it's often associated with the undressing and it's more common when the temperature gradually drops as opposed to like an abrupt drop in temperature but this action is very similar to what bears and other mammals do when they hibernate. You know, like they find a shady enclosed area and they pretty much burrow themselves in for the entire hibernation season. And unfortunately, when humans do this, it, especially in this condition of being severely hypothermic and, you know, undressing and not fully prepared for the weather, it can lead to death we know what hypothermia is what actually can cause it well there's multiple causes right and the number one most obvious one is cold exposure cold weather exposure but in addition to that wind so cold obviously you know makes you lose body heat but wind can actually cause heat loss even faster and even more rapidly so that's a big concern and unfortunately the population that's at most risk for experiencing Chronic cold environments and wind are the homeless, you know, because they're pretty much left to their own devices to brave the elements. Um, anyone who's been through trauma, so somebody with anorexia nervosa, may be more at risk for developing hypothermia in those conditions, especially because, you know, their body's been through a lot and it's already going through a tough time, not to mention having to regulate itself in this environment and people who are impoverished or in poverty, you know, because if you can't afford to keep the heat on and or can't afford to keep warm, then it's going to be easier for your body to lose heat. And you know, it's it's really it's really sad and unfortunate, but they are the ones most at risk for it. And outside of the socioeconomic and um medical factors, people who drink alcohol i'm not saying that people who drink alcohol are at risk for it i just the sentence you know worded out incorrectly when i was like thinking in my head but alcohol can make someone be at risk for hypothermia if they are in a super cold environment and they are not you know wearing proper clothing wearing protective clothing because alcohol basically does three things that can cause heat to be lost more Quickly, The first thing is that alcohol vasodilates your body, which basically means that the blood vessels in your body will dilate more. And when they dilate, that means it's easier for heat to be lost from them. So that's number one. The other thing is that alcohol makes it hard for your body to regulate its temperature. So, you know, you hear some people say like if it's cold out they take a, a glass, like they they drink, they drink some whiskey, then they start to feel warm and they start to feel less cold. You know, it's not really what's happening, it's just your body's kind of like trying to figure out how to regulate its temperature while it's kind of under the influence of alcohol. And number three, alcohol reduces the body's ability to shiver. So remember, shivering is one of the ways that your body tries to keep itself warm and to kind of keep yourself from losing heat. But if your body can't do that, then it's easier for your body to lose heat. So because alcohol vasodilates, you know, it makes it hard for your body to regulate temperature and makes it hard for your body to shiver, heat is lost a lot more quickly and a lot more efficiently. And this, from my research, apparently was really, really common. It was a common enough sight in the, in the literature to see people who were drunk kind of like staggering to find their way home in the middle of winter. But... They ended up passed out on the street or in the snow somewhere, and they passed away from hypothermia. So alcohol could be a cause for it. And the other major cause is water immersion. So swimming or diving in cold water can be a major effect, um, because heat is lost a lot faster in water compared to air. So think about Jack from Titanic, right? Like Rose was on the door, and Jack was holding her hand, by his entire body was in the water and not only was his body in the water but it was freezing cold like there were icebergs in that ocean okay like imagine how cold it has to be for icebergs to be forming and just floating comfortably so not only was the water cold but then the like it was april so it was probably cold out in the air too so jack's whole body was just the poster child for hypothermia and he ended up passing away from it And I read when I was doing the research that most people who were on the Titanic when it sank, if they didn't pass away from drowning, they passed away within 15 to 30 minutes from the hypothermia. So it 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 may not be the first thing that we think of when we think of hypothermia. I think like for me, at least what I think of is somebody like in the snow and in the mountains just stumbling wildly but that's not always the case. It doesn't always to It could be somewhere. You could go for a swim in the ocean. But if it's the middle of December and you live in Rhode Island, it's not a good idea. So we have the causes for hypothermia. But what exactly happens in the body, right? Like what is the physiology that happens? And to understand that, we need to talk about heat generation and heat loss. So heat is generated in the body mostly in muscle tissue and in organs so organs like your heart your liver they're generating heat constantly and your muscles as well but just as constantly as heat is being generated heat is also being lost um i think it's one of the newton's three i was never good at physics but i'm pretty sure it's one of newton's three laws of of motion of physics or something like something released I don't know, somebody who's better at physics will know it, but I know that was one of the things that they taught us. Whatever is generated has to be lost, something equal like that, but just like heat is generated in the muscles and the organs, heat is also lost through the skin tissue and through the lungs. And when you are cold, when your body is cold, when your body temperature is dropping, your body will start to increase muscle contractions because obviously muscle... Can help generate heat and the more it contracts the more heat can be generated and this is done through shivering so shivering teeth chattering trying to move around like that will all help your body trying to kind of combat the drop in temperature that you're experiencing and there's no like baseline for when someone starts to shiver and when their teeth start shattering and when they they start to feel cold because that pretty much depends on each individual's metrics right? Like each person's tolerance to cold is much different. I, I don't have a high tolerance to cold. I get cold very quickly. I live in Florida and I bring a mini heater with me when I go to study at the library because I just get so cold. And compared to me, like most of my friends have a much higher cold tolerance than I do. So it pretty much depends on the individual's metric. But again, like my body temperature is not dropping to 95 degrees when I go to the library. I just get Cold, um, but if I was in the mountains and my body dropped to ninety five degrees, that's hypothermia. So that's the distinction. But in addition to the muscle contractions and you know like the shivering and the teeth chattering, hypothermia can also cause issues with other body systems. So you can get heart arrhythmias. The central nervous system activity pretty much is hate is going haywire, um, and you can get your kidneys can get affected. It's pretty much like your body temperature is dropping and your body is so, so cold that it's like the episode in Spongebob when he is running the restaurant for Squidward and he pretty much forgot everything except how to be a waiter, like he forgot his own name. So when Squilliam asks Spongebob, you know, what's your name? he doesn't know what to do he doesn't know how to respond and the scene cuts to like all of the mini spongebob's in his brain and they they have no idea what's going on like they're setting fire to the office they're looking through files they don't know the answer everything's just haywire because they don't know what to do and that's kind of what your body is going through when it's in a hypothermic state like there's just such a big 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 problem that it ruins the entire pathways in your body and your body doesn't know what to do and there's a lot of side effects that can happen with that, which are the ones that I just mentioned, like the arrhythmias, the decrease in CNS activity, which plays a role in the heart rate, the respiratory rate, the blood pressure, the kidney issues. It can cause edema and it's not pleasant. And because it's not pleasant, we want to prevent hypothermia from ever, you know, sinking its closet. So how do we do that, right? How do we prevent hypothermia? And I feel like The first one is pretty obvious, proper clothing, so you don't want to be out wearing like cotton when it's super cold out. You want to wear synthetic fabrics, you want to wear wool, stuff that's very insulating and very good at keeping you warm. And you want to make sure that it's not super, super tight because the tighter the clothes are, again, the easier it is for your body to lose heat. So proper clothing, loose fitting, layer, 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 layers are important. Um... That's like your best defense on a day-to-day basis of trying to keep yourself warm try not to overexert yourself you know overexertion more heat loss um if somebody does find themselves pretty much lost in the wilderness and they don't really have a way to find help don't burrow into like an enclosed space but some people will try to build like an igloo a makeshift igloo to keep themselves protected from the wind And from direct impact with the cold, some people will try to find like an open cave that is big enough for them to like walk around in and will stay there. Just anything that can provide some form of protection against the wind and the cold hitting you directly will help. Sometimes people in the water, like they will get life vests and it's not a guarantee, but there's a chance you have a better chance of surviving with the life vest because your entire body, there's less of your body that's underwater without the life vest, you know. But the people that are at risk for this the most are the very young and the very elderly because their body does, they don't have enough energy or not enough insulation to protect themselves. And you want to stay as dry as possible, right? Because remember, water makes you lose heat a lot faster than air does. So if you've got wet clothes on and you have a chance, like a spare pair of clothes, then you should change it. That's one of the first things that like first responders will do too. They'll put a blanket or they'll give someone dry clothing instead of having their wet clothing on because it will help with the body temperature. And in addition to prevention, let's say you can't prevent it, right? You've, someone's hypothermic. They're already there well how do you manage it how do you treat them and treatment matches severity so if they're having severe hypothermia you're gonna need to do a lot more than somebody who just had mild hypothermia obviously right so first thing that they always tell us to do is check airway breathing and circulation called abcs make sure they can breathe make sure there's nothing blocking their airway make sure their blood their circulation is running fine you know check their heart check their blood pressure all of that and then You want to rewarm them. You want to warm them up. So, if they have mild hypothermia, you can do passive rewarming things. So, you can give them dry clothes if they're wearing wet clothes. You can put them in a warm environment, bring them a heater, put them inside where there's a heater running, give them a, you know, like keep them in a warm environment. And then their body will slowly start to regulate its temperature again and the temperature will rise again. If somebody has moderate hypothermia, then, you know, you kind of step it up a little bit more. So instead of passively trying to warm them up, you can actively try to warm them up. Um, In this case, you could give them like a heating blanket. You can give them hot water bottles to put under their, their underarms or in their groin areas to kind of just warm themselves up as instantly as possible. Sometimes i i've gotten like hot pockets there are these things that you can crack and then heat releases from them and you put them in the pockets of your jackets or whatever and when you put your hand in there then it'll warm your hand up so you can use that and then for severe hypothermia the main thing that they want to do is rewarm starting from the core so you want to rewarm the body tongue twister right rewarm the body starting from the core so to do that they will often give the patient IV fluids to get it in as quick as possible. They can irrigate the patient with fluids, um, expose them to warm air. Sometimes they can use devices such as an ECMO to kind of like get their body temperature back up as efficiently and safely and quickly as possible. But yeah, and you'd want to give them liquids, like warm, sweet liquids to get their energy levels up, to get their temperature up, um, to make sure their throat's okay from all of the cold. And sometimes people with hypothermia can experience either really low blood sugar or really high blood sugar. So if that's the case, then, you know, you would treat the blood sugar depending on what they have and get it back to its quote-unquote normal level. And that's the management part for it. Now, hypothermia is not like a fun thing to talk about it's not you know like super super heartwarming or cool because it is pretty serious and it can be scary you know to just be alone and isolated and to you know kind of not even have the energy or the mindset really to be able to do anything to help yourself but I did want to find some instances of hypothermia throughout history because i think getting it put into perspective not that it's a good thing but it it kind of is just like we've come so far from not knowing what it was at all and not knowing how to protect ourselves from figuring out what it is what we can do in the situation and hopefully have a better idea of you know, how to protect ourselves if we're ever in that situation, or if anyone else that we know is in that situation, and just raise our awareness for it a little bit, but I couldn't find anything of hypothermia cases during the ice age, but, like, I'm probably sure at least there were a few cases of hypothermia in the ice age. I mean, it was the ice age, so I know the people were really efficient at like hunting and and getting like fur clothing but you know i there has to be at least like one or two cases of hypothermia right so i i starting from the ice age i also threw in just like explorations of antarctica because i i doubt that there were any cases but i feel like somebody should have had at least mild hypothermia if they were not prepared for it don't quote me on that though because i i didn't look that up but starting from the Ice Age, probably in ancient times, Hippocrates described it in his writings. And he even stated that the elderly were very prone to the cold because they didn't have as much skin tissue or muscle as compared to like young adults to withstand it. And throughout history, hypothermia is very common in the military. Hannibal lost about 20,000 men crossing the Alps. And the men succumbed to hypothermia. Many cases of hypothermia are recorded in documents from the American Revolution, from the American Civil War, and the Crimean War. And I remember learning in history about Napoleon and how he kept trying to invade Russia in the winter. Every time, I think he tried to invade twice, and every time, both times he tried to invade, it was always in the winter. And I remember my teacher telling us. Napoleon should not have done that because you never invade Russia in the winter. You're not going to win. He's from France. Like, Russians know how to handle their winter, but Napoleon from France probably would not have had the same tolerance for it. But Napoleon's army had to retreat from Moscow in 1812 because so many members of his military passed away from hypothermia, and the French surgeons that worked on them. We're describing it in their writings and yeah napoleon should never invade russia in the winter you're not gonna win And i think from my history class i remember my perf- my teacher telling us like a few other countries have tried it i'm i'm pretty sure she said that germany had tried it during world war ii and they were not able to do it as well because those russian winters are brutal and i don't think anyone in the history of europe at this time period who had attempted that succeeded in it but um like i mentioned before people who were intoxicated from alcohol staggering and collapsing in the snow and then getting hypothermia and passing away was a common enough occurrence to be written throughout history and something that i think i want to emphasize is that it's also pretty well known as a risk in mountain climbers or hikers so people who climb Mount Everest, hypothermia is actually the leading cause of non-traumatic fatalities tied with hypoxia, so low oxygen. And you know, Mount Everest is really, really, really high and it's really, really cold. So it's quite easy to get hypothermia without the proper precautions and without the proper materials preparation, you name it. And something else that was interesting was some this so a little bit of quick american history but when america got land in the west they kept telling people you know move out west you'll get this plot of land you can do what you want with it so a lot of families moved from the east coast to the west coast to try and get a better life for their family and one of those group that traveled was called the donner party and they moved they were trying to get to oregon along the Oregon Trail but unfortunately they decided to take a quote-unquote shortcut to get there quicker but the shortcut ended up being like the longer way to get there and they ended up pretty much being abandoned and some of the members of their party succumbed to hypothermia and the last one of the mountain climbing incidents as I wanted to mention was the I am not sure how to pronounce this but the 1959 Yet, love pass incident where it was basically these these nine russian mountain climbers who were on this mountain and either passed away from hypothermia or were viciously attacked by something but that's another case of hypothermia playing its role so if there are any hikers any winter mountain climbers listening like please 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 make sure you have your proper equipment you have your clothing um, you have somebody who knows what to do in situations like this if you are trapped and that you have a way of maybe contacting or asking for help just to be safe and that's a quick history lesson on hypothermia winters can be brutal or they can be wonderful depending on where you live and your love for the winter season Um, I tend to not be a fan of the cold, but I can bear it with the proper number of layers and with an end date in mind. Um, Snow is very pretty, though, and building a snowman and doing snow angels is a must for at least one time in someone's life. Um, But yeah, but now we know why bundling up and properly dressing for the colds is important, so please do so and stay warm. Thank y'all so, so much for listening. I really, really appreciate you. I hope you have an amazing last few days of 2021 and a very happy new year. Be smart, be safe, make good decisions, and we'll meet again in 2022. Bye!